When it comes to famous talking donkeys, at the top of everyone's list has got to be Christopher Robin's beloved friend, Eeyore. He's the gloomiest character in the Hundred Acre Wood, and when it comes to talking, he usually doesn't have a lot to say. Oh, bother. I guess I've lost my tail again. Then there's a famous donkey who is Eeyore's polar opposite. He is energetic and cheerful, and he talks way too much. And he is known only as Donkey. He is Shrek's loyal sidekick, and if he had his choice, he'd invite himself over for breakfast because he's making waffles. <laughs> but did you know that the Bible also has a talking donkey in it? It's this small little story that's hardly ever talked about. Maybe because it's hard to understand. Maybe because it's hard to explain. Or maybe because it's just plain old strange. Well, that is exactly why we're going to be talking about it today. We're right in the middle of a series called Stranger Stories. And we're unpacking some of the strangest stories that are actually in the Bible. So if you've never heard of this talking donkey before, that's okay. We're going to journey together and unpack this strange little story, and we're going to draw out a few lessons. But before we get to talking about a talking donkey, let me try to set the scene for you, and I want to introduce you to a few of the main characters. Well, this is Balak. He is the king of Edom. And this is Balaam. He was a pagan prophetic sorcerer that was known to have the ability to curse and bless people. Now the Jewish Midrash, it tells us that Balaam was such a great prophet that his prophecy was equal to that of Moses, except Moses was an Israelite who loved God and Balaam was not an Israelite and did not love God. Now Balaam had some knowledge of God, but, but not enough for him to forsake his magic and, and turn to God wholeheartedly. And finally, this of course, is Balaam's donkey. Now, this strange story comes from the book of Numbers that's in the Bible, which is the fourth book in a five-book saga known as the Pentateuch. Now, this five-book saga, it chronicles the plight of God's chosen people, the Israelites. They were enslaved in Egypt, but God sent Moses to set his people free. And through a series of miraculous plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, the Israelites escaped from Egypt and they headed into the desert for 40 years. Now, right near the end of those 40 years in the desert, the Israelites had just conquered two wicked cities and they camped right outside of Edom. So the king of Edom, Balak, he looks out and he sees a million Israelites camped right outside his walls. And they had just finished kind of the end of a conquering spree. And it made him a bit uncomfortable, understandably uncomfortable. So King Balak sent messengers to Balaam to try to convince Balaam to come to Edom to put a curse on the Israelites camping outside his walls. So this was the message that Balak sent to Balaam. This is Numbers chapter 22, verses 5 and 6. A people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the land, he says, and they've now settled next to me. Now, come and put a curse on these people because they're too powerful for me. Perhaps I will then be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. 
Now Balaam knew deep down that he could do nothing on his own. So he sought the Lord to inquire if he could put a curse on the Israelites. How little he must have known about the Israelites being God's chosen people. Because of course God wouldn't have let him curse his people, the Israelites. After all, it was God himself who was leading and guiding the Israelites, even supplying them with daily sustenance in the form of manna each morning. So Balaam sought out the Lord's favor to curse the Israelites. And God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. So Balaam sends the messengers on their way back to King Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam wasn't coming, he sent back even more messengers, even more distinguished than the first, saying, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will, will reward you handsomely and I'll do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Now, Balaam's greedy little ears, they perked up because he knew what a handsome reward from the king would look like. And he was very motivated to go and put a curse on these Israelites. But he knew that he could do nothing on his own, whether it be great or small, he could do nothing beyond the command of the Lord. So he went back to God and he asked again if he could go in and cash in on this reward that was awaiting him by putting a curse on the Israelites. And this time, the Lord says to him, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So Balaam saddles his donkey and he sets out to see King Balak. Now, this is where the hero of our story enters. Ba -ba -da -ba! Balaam's donkey. Now let's just pause the story right here because in my research for this message, I began to realize how little I actually knew about donkeys. So before we move on with our story, I, I wanna hit you up with some fun facts about donkeys. Okay, maybe fun is a little bit of an oversell. Here are some facts about donkeys. Fact number one. Did you know that male donkeys are called jacks and female donkeys are called jennies? Who knew? Fact number two. Donkeys have excellent night vision. Night vision like that of an owl. How cool is that? Fact number three. There are over 180 different breeds of donkeys. And here I just thought there was one. Fact number four, a donkey can live 50 years. Five, oh, 50 years. Imagine having a donkey as a pet. And fact number five, a donkey is stronger than a horse of equal size. Let's go donkeys. Well, there you have it. If that's all you learned today, some cool facts about donkeys and how they're incredible animals, I hope today will be worth it for you. All right, back to our story. So Balaam has been uh, enticed by the king of Edom, Balak, to go and put a curse on the Israelites, God's chosen people. And at first, God told Balaam not to go. But after Balaam asked again, the Lord tells him, go, but do only what I tell you to do. So Balaam saddles his donkey. The Bible tells us she's a Jenny, by the way. And now all you donkey scholars out there will know that she was a female donkey. 
And he heads off to see King Balak. Now, although God let Balaam go with the messengers to return to Balak, God was very angry with Balaam's greedy attitude. See, God knew that Balaam was just in it for the money, that he only wanted the handsome reward from the king. And even though Balaam said that he would only do what the Lord told him to do, God could see his heart. God knew that his greed for wealth would lead him astray. Which brings me to the first lesson that we learn. You can't fool God. See, God can see your heart. You can't outsmart him. Galatians chapter six, verse seven says this. Make no mistake about this. You can never make a fool out of God. Whatever you plant is what you'll harvest. Balaam thought that he could fool God by going with Balak's messengers and, and cursing the Israelites and, and cashing in on the reward. But God knew what was really going on. He could see his heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You can't fool God. So, Balaam and his donkey, along with the messengers, begin their journey. Along the way, Balaam's donkey sees an angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a sword drawn, ready to strike. And so the donkey wisely veers off the road into a field. Balaam, however, could not see the angel and had no idea why the donkey veered off into a field. And so he got off his donkey and he beat her. And as they continued, they were traveling through a vineyard with walls on both sides. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord again and this time had nowhere to go. And so ended up crushing Balaam's foot against one of the walls trying to avoid the angel. Balaam still couldn't see the angel, gets off his donkey and he beats her again. Finally, a third time along their way, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing directly in their path, ready to strike. So Balaam's donkey just laid down in the middle of the road and wouldn't budge. And for the third time, Balaam got off his donkey and he beat her again. Let's pick it up in Numbers chapter 22, verse 28. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey that you've always ridden like to this very day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and he fell face down. The angel of the Lord said to him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I, I have sinned. I didn't realize that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with these men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. There you have it. 
a talking donkey in the Bible. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. No, I'm just kidding. See, it's, it's normally about here where the cynics in the crowd begin to roll their eyes. Come on, Simon, a talking donkey, like for real? Maybe this is just one of those stories that's been embellished over the years. Or, or, or maybe the talking donkey is just a metaphor for something. Or perhaps Balaam only thought the donkey was talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably it. Can we all get just get on the same page about something? And this is lesson number two from the story. Our God is a miracle working God. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of the universe. Everything good we see in existence, he thought up and he made it so. He is the Lord Almighty and there is nothing outside of his control. Yes, he can really part the Red Seas. Yes, he can really raise the dead, really walk on water, really heal our diseases. And yes, he can really make a donkey talk. So the question shouldn't be, did the donkey really talk? But rather, how was the donkey able to talk? You see, the donkey didn't just speak, but he was able to reason and hold a rational conversation with Balaam. So while it's possible that God just granted the donkey this temporary allowance to speak and reason like a human, it's much more likely that God opened the mouth of the donkey and spoke through him. One hint that this may be the case is because as soon as Balaam saw the angel and bowed down low face down, the angel's first words to Balaam was to repeat the exact same words that the donkey had just spoken to him. In Numbers twenty two thirty two, 32, it said, why have you beaten the donkey these three times? It's almost as if God was trying to communicate a message to Balaam and he was gonna use any method necessary to do it. So why did God allow the donkey to speak? It seems that God opened the mouth of the donkey to speak to Balaam, to show Balaam that the tongue and the mouth are entirely in God's hands, even to the extent that, that he could make a donkey speak. And it wasn't just the donkey's tongue that was under God's control, but Balaam's tongue as well. See, God wanted Balaam to realize that when it came time for Balaam to curse the Israelites, he would be entirely at God's mercy. Okay. But what's with this whole stop, go, stop, go, stop, go thing? Like at first God tells Balaam not to go with the messengers and then later relents and tells him to go with the messengers. And then at first the angel stops Balaam in his tracks with the sword drawn. And then when Balaam offers to go back home and, and not to go see, see King Balak, the angel says, no, 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 keep going. So what's with this whole go, no, go, no, go, no, mentality. Like I mentioned earlier, God knew how prideful and greedy Balaam's heart had grown. God was trying to get Balaam's attention and humble him by reminding him that it was not Balaam who was in control of the situation, but God. See, God was preparing Balaam to swallow his pride, 
and to only do what the Lord instructed him to do. Okay, hold, hold up, Simon. I remember that Balaam's heart was greedy because he was after the king's handsome reward. But where do we get that he was prideful? Pride, 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 pride. See, pride has a funny way of revealing itself, doesn't it? Pride is a dangerous thing. Listen to what the author and theologian C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, for pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up every possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. He goes on to say, the utmost evil is pride. See, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride, a spiritual cancer that leads to every other vice. Do, Do you recall Balaam's response to his donkey, the donkey that just saved his life, by the way, for why he beat her? Numbers chapter 22, verse 29. Balaam answered the donkey, for you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now, he says. See, Balaam's donkey made him look foolish and his pride was hurt. So Balaam lashed out at his donkey. Let me ask you, how often do we lash out at the blameless people in our life who get in our way because we are embarrassed? or because our pride is hurt. See, maybe we lash out in anger like Balaam did. Maybe we use sarcasm or we belittle someone. Maybe we retaliate with rudeness, crudeness, or self-entitlement. The truth is, lashing out at others is normally a sign that there's something wrong in us. So, what can we learn from Balaam's pride? This brings us to lesson number three. Don't allow your own hurt pride to cause you to hurt others. Don't allow your own hurt pride to cause you to hurt others. If C.S. Lewis is right, that pride is a spiritual cancer that eats up our common sense, then pride might be the very reason that Balaam had no reaction to the fact that his donkey was actually talking to him. At no point in their interaction did he stop and acknowledge, uh, hold on a second, you're actually speaking to me. How is it that you're actually speaking to me right now? I don't know about you, but if a donkey started talking to me, I'd have some questions. Okay, back to the story. So, Balaam has this talking donkey experience on the road and he is humbled and he is reminded to say only what the Lord tells him to say. And he continues on to see King Balak. And when he arrives, Balak takes him up to this huge mountain that overlooks the whole Israelite camp and he instructs Balaam to curse God's people. And so Balaam prepares seven altars And then he sacrifices seven bulls and then sacrifices seven rams. And then he goes and seeks the Lord. Okay, God, uh, I prepared the seven altars and I prepared the seven bulls and the seven rams. What do you want me to do now? Um, 
Oh, really? Uh, that's going to make Block pretty angry if I... Well, can I just put a little curse on them? Okay, well, can I just say nothing at all then? <sighs> Fine. I'll do only what you tell me to do. So, Balaam goes back to Balak, and instead of cursing the nation of Israel, he heaps blessing on the nation of Israel instead. Balak is outraged. So, he changes location, he takes Balaam to another spot, and they try again. And the same thing happens again. Seven altars, seven bulls, seven rams, and instead of a curse over the nation of Israel, Balaam blesses the nation of Israel again and again. Balaam changes location again, a third time, a fourth time. Okay, listen, that is 14 more altars, 14 more bulls, 14 more rams at this point. They must be running short on livestock. If I was Balaam's donkey, I'd be getting pretty nervous that I was going to be used for sacrifice next. And every time Balaam is asked to curse the Israelites, blessings upon blessings upon blessings keep pouring out instead. Balak was quickly realizing that changing locations wasn't working. Which brings us to lesson number four. A change of location doesn't change the will of God. Maybe you're here today and you've been running from the will of God in your life. You've tried to change locations to avoid it. You've tried to change your circumstances to bypass it. But you know deep down where it is that God wants you and why. And a change of location does not change the will of God. Maybe only one person watching this today needs to hear this. Stop running from God. Stop trying to change his mind and simply surrender to what you know God wants for you. Well, after all of this blessing, instead of cursing that Balaam pronounces over the nation of Israel, Balak finally relents and he sends Balaam and his donkey home empty-handed. Now, this is where the story of Balaam ends in the book of Numbers. But we find out later on in Scripture that this is not where his story ends. You see, apparently, Balaam's pride and his greed, it crept back in, and he still wanted to cash in on the king's reward so badly that he ends up teaching Balak how to defeat the Israelites. See, Balaam knows that God will never turn his back on the nation of Israel. And so they have to get the nation of Israel to turn their backs on God. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Sadly, Balaam's tactics worked. Israel slowly began to worship idols and they turned their backs on God. And as a result, many Israelites perished. So perhaps this is one of the reasons why this strange story of Balaam and his talking donkey never actually get told that often. Because when Balaam is remembered, he isn't thought of as a God-honoring prophet who would say only what the Lord told him to say. No, not, not at all. Listen to how the apostle Peter refers to him in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. 
See, Balaam cared more about the sense in his wallet than the contents of his heart. He loved the wages of wickedness. See, because of his own greed, because of his own pride, Balaam ultimately turned his back on God and he ended up being killed in battle by the Israelites. Which brings me to the final lesson from this strange story about Balaam and his talking donkey. And this final lesson will serve as today's big idea. God directs our steps even when we lose our directions. See, this was true when Balaam's heart was full of greed and pride. God used a talking donkey to get him back on track. God directs our steps even when we lose our directions. This was true when Balaam wanted to curse the nation of Israel, but God used him to bless the nation of Israel instead because God directs our steps even when we lose our directions. And this was true when Balaam ultimately chose the ways of the world over the ways of God. God never turned his back on his people. God directs our steps even when we lose our directions. So maybe you're watching this today and and you feel like you've lost your directions. You feel like you've lost your way. Did you know that even though you feel like you've lost your way, God has not lost track of you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He just wants you back. See, God's been working in your life. He's been moving in the background of your life. He's been directing your steps. It's one of the reasons you're watching this right now where you are. And if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to simply come back to him. Would you join me for just a moment as we pray together? Dear Jesus, we ask right now that you would stir in our hearts, that you would call us back to yourself. For those of us that feel lost, like we've lost our directions or lost our way in life, God, we acknowledge right now that you're calling us back. Lord, we repent. We turn from our old way of living, a way of living that you did not design for us to live. And God, we humble ourselves before you and ask that you would forgive us of our old way of living and that you would renew us from the inside out. You'd come live within us by your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, that you would give us a future in your kingdom. God, be glorified today by this decision I'm making in my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I hope that the story of Balaam and his talking donkey stick with you for a very long time and that you remember that God directs our steps even when we lose our directions.